Hey guys, it's Ken. I wanted to share a quick word with you about our new sponsor, OfficerPrivacy.com. Hey, did you know that all your information is all over the internet? Your home address and even cell phone numbers? This is a problem for you and your family as a police officer or applicant. Just do a quick search on the internet. You're going to find all kinds of news articles about anti-police groups showing up at officers' homes. We have to do everything we can to protect our families from these groups. Check out our friends at officerprivacy.com. Using their free software, you can remove your private info from the internet in about an hour, or you can have their team of Leos do the work for you. I highly recommend them. So go to officerprivacy.com forward slash PAP, PAP for the Police Applicant Podcast. That's our special code, guys, officerprivacy.com forward slash PAP and sign up today. It'll be the best thing you can do for you and your family. So let's get to today's episode. From the offices of policebackground.net. This is the Police Applicant Podcast with your host, Ken Royball. Hey, welcome everybody to another episode of the Police Applicant Podcast. This is episode number 80. And uh, this is really a cool episode today because for two reasons. One reason is that special guest hosting investigator Jesse Cohen from the Westminster uh, police department in Colorado. Jesse, welcome to your premiere episode, man. Yeah, I'm excited to be here. Uh, this was, uh, you know, our podcast went great uh, when I was a guest on it. So hopefully we can duplicate that with me being a uh, co-host. Actually, I'm going to be an assistant host. On assistant. assistant. You. You're, you're, you're co-hosting. And uh, so you fully got the whole, you know, we did our rehearsal and everything like that. So that's cool. We know what, uh, what we're supposed to be doing. Um and uh, today we are going to be interviewing uh, Captain J.K. Braithwaite from the Alfreda. I hope I'm saying that right. Alfreda Alpharetta. <laughs> Alpharetta. Let me help you, Ken. So, 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 so it's Captain Jakai Braithwaite. Jakai. Jakai Braithwaite from Alpharetta. Jakai Braithwaite from Alpharetta Police Department in Georgia. And uh, we are going to find out all about, you know what? There's some cool stuff going on, Jesse, um, with Jakai. And uh, the, uh, there's a lot of innovation in recruitment. Mm-hmm. And so we're going to find all about that. When, when I first sent, you sent me a, a link to, a, I think it was a Police One, um, um, what do you call it, uh, uh, article. Right. And, so I was, I was just browsing Police One. And I was going through some of the recruiting efforts because I always want to see if I can get some, you know, ideas or whatever. And I came across one with, um, with the captain down here and it was with his department and I started reading it. I started laughing because it might've been one of the best ideas I've ever heard. I didn't come up with it. He did. I wish I did. I ran, I started telling my superiors how amazing this idea was. And then I just did my research and I started sending emails because I wanted to get a hold of him to see, you know, what he did, if it was successful. Um, and then we started talking and we actually became pretty good friends. And I immediately told them, hey, 
this might be a good idea for a podcast um, because of just how innovative and amazing the, the idea was like went to you and we all kind of got connected and here we are now. Yeah, that was a very good idea for you to do. Um, Jakai, for, for, for us, you know, I, I interviewed a, a chief of police from, uh, from Indiana and, and, okay. and I was just joking with him. I said, hey, so do we call you chief? Do we call you, you know, your first name? He goes, chief is good. So, so are we saying Jakai? Are we saying captain? No, no, my brother. No, no. Jakai is cool. JB, whatever you fancy. J- titles. Uh-uh. Like you said, we're, 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 we're some, some cats who are on the job. We're sitting at the warden hole enjoying libations. Uh-uh, throw that stuff out the window. Okay, okay. <laughs> uh, fair enough. <laughs> so we're going to get into the um, into this uh, recruitment process uh, that Jakai came up with, which again, and I and I, I got to tell you, I I called um, I called up Jakai, and I don't know if I told you uh, Jesse, but I called up Jakai and go, man, as soon as I read that article, and I I had before I even spoke to him, I called the LEPD captain. Uh, of yeah, recruitment. You told me about that. <laughs> and I'm like, yeah. you got to check this out. And she was like, oh, wow. You know, that's a very, very cool thing to do. Um, talk about streamlining the process. That is really great. So before we get started, I want to get into Jakai's uh, bio. We want to know about you, how you got into police work, your education, sure. and uh, just tell tell us who you are and, and uh, no, your bio. No. Um, and, and before I get into that again, Ken, Thank you for the opportunity to have me on your show. Um, it's an honor. Um, I read, I read your work. Thank you for your 35 years of service on the job. God bless you, um, my my new boy, brother Jesse. Thank you again for the connection. Um, I appreciate all that. But yeah, some of my, some of my background. So I'm a Jersey boy. Like I think I spoke to you before, mm-hmm. and that's actually what started all of this. Right? It's my my connection, my my roots to to New Jersey, to the Northeast, is uh, what got a lot of this stuff going. So I uh, I was born born in Jersey. Both of my parents are about service. My father's retired federal agent, um, also an educator as well. Uh, my mother uh, was, uh, she's a retired director of social services at a, a psychiatric hospital in New Jersey, a major one in New Jersey. Um, you know, education was always important. You know, both, you know, parents have advanced degrees, you know, push college for you know to us, you know, all of these type of things. So, you know, went off to college. I was um, I wrestled in college, and I actually transferred. I started in in a college in New Jersey for a little bit, and then after you know two or so years, um, our wrestling program we lost that program. So I ended up going to WVU, the West Virginia West Virginia University, uh, which was Division One school, which was which was funny because I left Division Three college in Jersey. Wrestling doing very well, going to nationals. Then I go to a Division One college where I'm not even getting out of the wrestling room. I'm just getting banged up in the room. But that was, um, you know, part of my, you know, my, my whole start to this where we are today. So graduated from WVU, went back home to New Jersey, and I worked in a jail in a, in a juvenile detention center in Morristown, New Jersey, for right about eleven months, and. You know, during that time, you know, I was, you know, in Jersey, putting in applications, trying to work for local municipalities, you know, all these different things. And we'll get into, you know, some of those struggles. And again, I'm talking 25 years ago, but some of those struggles that a lot of 
candidates um, had in New Jersey today. Now, again, back then, that was a time when, I mean, you had, you know, everybody was getting out of college or, or not, and they wanted to be on a job. They wanted to get in law for them. So it was extremely competitive. So, you know, at the time, you know, I just had, I wanted to serve. So I, uh, you know, was doing what I needed to do. So I ended up finding this, this agency here in Georgia, which I'll, <laughs> I'll tell you a crazy story, you know, how that happened and, uh, and came down here. So, so, so I have an undergraduate degree in political science from West Virginia. I have a master's degree in public administration from Columbus State University that's here in Georgia. Started out as a detention officer for about 11 months, then came to Alpharetta for the first seven years of my career. I was a patrolman as well as uh, an FTO. My last few years, probably last three, four years, I was uh, FTO training. Then... I ended up moving over to the bureau, to our detective bureau, and I worked in our street crimes unit for a few years. And then I ultimately finished up as one of our major case detectives in general investigations. And that's really what got me to where I'm at because, because of the life experiences, the real world experiences of working, you know, some of those serious cases, I'm having exposure to all of the things, the DA and all of those different things, that's what really got my my career going. And I you know, put myself in a position where I was, you know, one of the who's who of, of investigators, you know, in the area. And finally, you know, probably in like 2015 was when I thought, 15, 16, I said, like, you know what, maybe I need to start getting into leadership. And, and that's when I decided to, you know, start promoting up and got promoted, I went back to patrol as a lieutenant on in the patrol division for about a year. And because of my investigative experience, the chief pulled me and ended up sending me to IAB and worked in, in internal affairs for a little over a year. And then I was fortunate to go back to my wheelhouse, to my home, went back to investigations as a detective lieutenant, worked as a detective lieutenant for probably about a year before I promoted in place to the captain over the detective bureau and stayed there for about another, about another year or so. And then chief decided to move some of us captains around and took me completely out of my wheelhouse. I went over to special ops, which was basically our traffic, our community services. And here we are hiring and recruiting. And it was funny when chief threw me into that, he was just like, well, you have all of these, these disciplines, but and also here's a uh, hiring and recruiting too. So fix this problem. And uh, so, well, <laughs> how am I going to do that? I mean, this is a systemic problem nationally. He said, I don't care. We'll just fix it. So spent some time, about two years. And that's when I obviously came up with this initiative. And then most recently in August of this year, I was moved to um, a division called the Organizational Services Division. You two brothers would um, recognize it more so like the office of the chief mm. and, uh, and I'm almost, almost have a position like uh, an exo position, so to speak, which has been really unique. Um, it's been a learning experience. I'm really enjoying the position, but this is unique and different because I really am pretty much neck and neck. I'm, you know, shoulder to shoulder with the man every day. You know, so the chief and I, we work in close proximity to each other. So I get to see a lot of different things. You know, I'm, I'm over at City Hall, you know, I'm shaking hands, kissing babies with the big wigs and, <laughs> and all the other stuff. So it's, it's, it's been a really nice uh, experience. 
So, so I know we're going to talk about hiring and recruiting, but just for the sake of this, just you know that's no longer um, under my command and my behest. But um, I still have a passion for it. It still still motivates me. I still believe that we need to you know still try to recruit you know um, qualified men and women you know to this this great career that we have. That's cool. It's a good story, man. Yeah. A uh, quick question. This is kind of off the wall. Behind you, there's this this white thing that's kind of hanging. What is that? This right here? Yeah. Okay. So uh, my college fraternity, uh, Alpha Phi Alpha Fraternity Incorporated. Um, proud about that, that um, fraternity. That uh, Alpha Phi Alpha was the first fraternity founded for African-American men in 1906. And it was founded on Cornell University. And there's a bunch of um, prestigious men who have been a part of that fraternity, Martin Luther, Martin Luther King Jr., Thurgood Marshall, um, Andrew Young, and, you know, we can go on and on. So so that's uh, just representing my fraternity. And I'm actually still active in that return, in the fraternity as well. So That's cool. The, re- yeah. the reason I ask is because it brought back a memory when I was like eight years old. My okay. grandmother used to have a, a piece of a wood that was about that shape and okay. she used to she used to call it her board of education and she used to whack our behinds with that thing. i like the name i like it <laughs> <laughs> hey, it's funny that trigger right <laughs> <laughs> i was only eight years old man but i remember that specifically man right <laughs> she don't want any part of that so um yeah, you've got a good background for everything administratively, uh, which led you to this. And not only that, we're going to get into your brilliant idea as well. But um, I want to know for our part of this part of this episode is not only to get to know about your your recruitment process, but also about the city and Alpharetta, Alpharetta, Alpharetta. Mm-hmm. Um, about the police department, the culture and all that. And, sure. and so what's it, what's the city like and what's the police department culture like? So it's funny you, you, you asked that question, Ken, right? Because when I'm sitting in New Jersey before all of these candidates in this high school gym and I'm selling, I'm talking to them about our outfit, right? I'm in Alpharetta. I'm being the biggest cheerleader telling how we, you know, the best outfit in the uh, metropolitan area. And I'm giving all this stuff to them. I stopped and I paused and I said, Yes, I'm selling this outfit to you. I think that we're the best. But I'm also selling the city to you because our city, this city is a vibrant, growing city. This is when you want to talk about the places to live in Georgia, the places to live in the metropolitan area. This is it. This is it. Alpharetta, we're about 58 square miles. Um, it's an um it's an extremely affluent area. You know, you'll you'll know, like, see, so you you um, can out there Hollywood. You know, all these, this is like Hollywood for you, right? You know, <laughs> matter of fact, I, I joke, but they actually actually has the nickname like the Beverly Hills, you know, of the South. Nice. Um, you know, like I was saying, some of your your celebrities, your entertainers, your athletes will live in this area. Uh, I want to say that yes, the. The medium income for an individual would be like $61,000 for a family. It's going to be um, 130-ish. The medium income for for a home, you know, is going to be roughly $480,000 or something. So it's it's, it's like when I was talking to the recruits again, if you want to buy real estate here in Alpharetta, it's almost like um, it's 
it's not affordable. You really can't, you can't mm-hmm. do that, but it is a beautiful city. And when I tell you it's vibrant and when I talk about, you know, the, the, the culture of the community, we have individuals moving here from all over the country, all over the world, I, I should say. Uh, it, it, it's really nice. We have beautiful parks, our school systems. And I'm sure you're going to ask me, Ken, why should I, why should you move to Alpharetta? And why? You know, <laughs> our school system, you know, like 2% and top 2% in Georgia. I'll say it again, top 2% in, in Georgia. I mean, fantastic schools, uh, parks, and it's just, just a, a, a beautiful place to be. We have this, this one area that we call, it's called Avalon. It's this whole live, work, play community. And it's basically favors like a, a, a small city. So you have, you know, commercial, um, commercial businesses then on top of the business you have residential housing apartments then you also have standalone homes and they're everything is north of a million dollars but it's just like such a like when you get there you're like oh my goodness like where am i at you know it's just so beautiful and that has basically you know developed into Alpharetta trying to emulate that throughout the city. So now that they're actually currently building, you know, several of these little areas, those whole, li- whole live, work, play communities. And it's just a really a beautiful and fun place to live. Um, as far as how going into the police department in our community, this community is a loving community for, for the police department. You know, we're probably going to talk about this too, you know, running the reason going to the Northeast, no opposed to being here, but it's, amazing you know of course we don't we don't accept any gratuities but it's nothing for you to you know go into um bodega or rest um service store well, i'm calling bodega jersey stuff in my head but mm-hmm. you know so give you you know a coffee uh you know even a cup of coffee on the arm uh you go to a restaurant nice restaurants here i mean it's almost common that as you go out there with your partner to eat when you get up to go pay they tell you somebody just took care of your meal for you, you know, and you walk every day you walk. And I'm sure Jesse sees this too. And I see that, but people just constantly, it's nothing for them to, to pat you on the back and tell you, you know, um, you know, be safe. Can I just shake your hand? You know, my kid just wants to take a picture with you. It's, it's just beautiful how much our city supports us and loves us. And that's important to me right. because you brothers know better than anybody. We know what that looks like. When your community doesn't have trust, right? And you know, it just takes a second for it to lose it. And we know what what it looks like when they don't. So for us to um, have this relationship with our, with our city and our community, um, I believe that that's predicated on how we do business. And, and again, you know, not just because I work next to a man, but I really uplift our chief, chief John Robinson, R-O-B-I-S-O-N. I really uplift him because of, how he does his business. Our mission here in Alpharetta is to enhance the quality of life for the citizens who live, work, and play in the city of Alpharetta. And everything we do is predicated on that. And it's just, you know, just amazing on how he handles his business with us here and how he expects us to handle our business with the, with the community. And I know, again, from being in internal affairs, yeah, we had, me personally, you know, I had some some investigations that weren't the greatest, you know, but we typically are extremely transparent. We give up the information. Uh, we let you know what we're dealing with. And, and, and Ken and Jesse, I'll tell you my opinion. 
I think that's good because when you have mm -hmm. a community who knows that you are transparent and that you're doing the right thing, when you do actually have a screw up or something big, they're less likely to be incensed because they're like, you know what, hold up, relax, relax. These brothers and sisters are going to investigate this appropriately. Yeah, we're not happy with what we saw. You know, this is not great, but just give them a second because I know that CEO, I know the department head over there. I know he's going to make sure that the right thing's going to happen. The city manage, city manager and, and, and the mayor, the office of the mayor, I know these brothers. I know they're going to do the right thing. So just, just chill. So, 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 so we're fortunate. So again, I actually really, I do get excited when I talk about, about Alpharetta because it is different. You know, of course, like you, you men, you have friends and peers all over the country who you talk to. And when I go and I talk to my, my boys who are on a job in Jersey and all over the place, and I start telling, you know, some of these things that happen or even come visit, they're like, holy, you know, blank, blank. What? They do this to you? We can't even eat in public. <laughs> you yeah, know? yeah. We're doing this and do that. And it's just, it's beautiful. So <laughs> that's why I sit here and, and I uplift this community. And if you're going to give me this platform to talk about how great the city of Alfred is, I'm going to take it, my brother, because it, it, it's an honor and it's truly a pleasure to, to serve the citizens of this community. I got to ask. So I remember we were talking um, you know, I know you'll get into it, but I know you guys had a couple recruits from I'm not going to name drop, but some big Northeast departments, yeah. uh, that, that lateral over to you guys when talking to them going from that department specifically, mm -hmm. you know, or some of those other ones to sure. yours, sure. what's their, what's their attitude? Like, how do they feel? What do they talk about Great. as far as, thank you. Thanks. Thanks for asking that. And, and, and I wish I had them here because, um, this is going to hit home for you. Ken, what I'm about to say, and um, it'll resonate with you as well, Jesse. So we have two rock stars here, two female officers, one on a job NYPD, okay. one on a job LAPD. And the um, NYPD, we actually picked her up from that Jersey process. Yep, that's um, what I was talking about. So she, when we went up to Jersey, man, I remember seeing her. When I was in, a, gosh, I remember seeing her in the, in the auditorium, gymnasium, and she's sitting there, and I didn't know she was on a job. And she, uh, when she went and started running the obstacle course, I was like, oh, just the way she was running, I was like, she's running like she's on a job. I said, yo, who's this girl? I said, she's on a job. She has to be just the way she was running mm -hmm. because she wasn't killing it, but she was running like all I got to do is just keep this Joker, you know, um, <laughs> you know, envision where I could see him. And then I remember when, you know, we had this one portion where you have to go through a window and she had kicked her leg through the window like this. And I'm like, no, no, because you get hung up on it. You know, you really got to kind of like jump through it. And she came through that window like a boss. And I'm like, oh, that's it. I see. She, she, she's done that before. <laughs> she's done that before. And just such a boss. And the crazy thing about it is this is wonderful. I mean, we, we got her. She was five years on a job in YPD. Um, speaks Spanish, has a master's degree from John Jay um, University, and she is just has just a great personality. She's you know just such a sweet and kind person. She we hired her, we, we tested her July seventh, two thousand twenty two. We hired her, she, her first day here in the city of Alpharetta was September seventh. So basically two months, which is almost unprecedented too. two yeah. months mm -hmm. that we got her through the process. And 
I want to say probably September 8th or 9th of this year, she's in the bureau. So wow. I give her one, you know, a year and a day, she's in the, and she's a detective and she's killing it. So I want to answer your question, Jesse. What, what, what do they say? What do these two women say about mm-hmm. the police department? It's just that they are going to sit up here and they're going to tell you it was just one of the, the best moves. These both of these women come from big cities. They're actually the two largest outfits in the in the country, right? Mm-hmm. Most popular outfits in the country. And you know, they're just like, this was a choice for me. It was the right choice. And then um the female from LAPD, same thing. I mean, she's just such a beautiful soul, always greets you with a smile on her face. Um, just great. And and I, and actually I'm She's already shown interest that she's looking to to move, move into mm-hmm. community services. She wants to um, interview for that. She's uh, and the reason I'm saying that is because she's just volunteering her time to work on our school systems, to be around the kids, and do all these other things. So we just got two rock stars from these two huge outfits. So you want to talk about a feel good story for us? LAPD, NYPD, what? <laughs> yeah, you know, thank you. <laughs> We're, we get the same thing. I mean, yeah. you know how it is. You get. You know, giant cities I get contacted from every day. So it's the same thing. So I get it. Yep. And I I will say LAPD, unfortunately, is a fertile recruitment ground. Yeah. I mean, if you want good coppers who who just want to be able to do the job, LAPD's, uh, you know, right now is is that time. I know the captain from there and she's doing phenomenal things trying to trying to change the perception. But as of right now, I mean, if you want people to work for you, there's some good coppers there, man. Uh, Jesse, I got to tell you one thing. When I first talked to um, Jakai on the phone, the very first time I talked to him, I said, I want you to recruit me, man. I want to go work for you, man, because just talking, he is the best recruiter. Uh, I mean, not, you know, right up there with Jesse, right up there with Jesse Jakai. But I'm saying, man, you've got the personality to bring people in you know leaders the 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 definition of good leadership those people are people gatherers and and jakai you are a people gatherer they want to work for the department because they like you you know and you're the first person they see so uh jesse i think that um i think that alpharetta is is like is like westminster too westminster too Yes. And you know, as in talking to Jakai and then kind of doing my research beforehand and then even just listening right now, I would agree. I mean, you're, you know, I, I could see us kind of working well together where, you know, you have somebody who wants to come out to Colorado, mm-hmm. Westminster is the place they're going to work. And I have somebody in the Southeast. I'm just going to yeah. send me their name and say, no, this is a place you need to work. Hey, in. tell them too, Jesse, we already said we're doing that. Yeah, we have. We have. I mean, hey, you and I, we 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 got a thing already. Tell the people the truth. We're already doing that. We're we're partners for life, man. And it's a hundred percent true. And I mean, they, you know, you look at, you look at the things that maybe some of the other departments are lacking. You look at support from the city and and Mm -hmm. their leadership, (laughs) which they have, which we have. You look at just the overall morale, the overall um, camaraderie, and the you know listening to him. And I actually just doing some research on like their Instagram, you can tell the difference between Alpharetta and Westminster versus, I mean, I hate to say it, NYPD, LAPD, Portland, Seattle, something like that, where, you know, it's definitely, I mean, we do cop work, but we also have a good time doing it just like they do. 
So it, it is very similar in my, in my eyes. Yes. Yeah. And I, and I think that's great because a lot of agencies, they just get a bad rap because for different reasons. And that's mm-hmm. a, that's a different conversation altogether. But when you have a, when you have the command staff that are publicly saying, Hey, we support the cops, the community mm-hmm. loves the cops. And you know what? I never, I, I, I keep my ear to ground on, on police law enforcement news every mm-hmm. single day, several times a day. You can tell from my Instagram, I'm, Sure. I'm I'm on top of it, and I've I never heard of your city um, being in any, in the midst of turmoil. Yeah, so um, yes, we we've had some, you know, we've had some, nothing uh, too big, you know, just uh, you know some you know some officers some some gas, but we've definitely made national news before we've, we've been out there, but again, and, and, and I'm not patting myself on the back. I'm not patting my outfit on the back, but I, I, I do think it's, you know, how we, we handle business. And, and I'll tell you from working in internal affairs, right. You know, we, we're not perfect. Right. You know, I mean, you, you guys have been on the job long enough, you know, that officer misconduct an officer wrongdoing is inevitable. It mm-hmm. happens in every outfit. Every agency is going to experience that. Mm-hmm. Uh, nothing you can do about it. Uh, but, you know, those type of things will get the officer fired, right? Then mm-hmm. when you start talking about corruption, which we see in outfits all throughout the country, that's the kind of stuff against our department had um, fired. But again, I think because of, like I said, how our, our chief does business, our city manager, um, rock star, our mayor, love this brother, uh, great guy. I mean, just the way we do business, I think that we we give it to the community. We say, yes, we're not we're not perfect. You know, we um we are a perfect community, but we're doing what we can to really try to do the right thing. So yeah, so we've been fortunate that you know we haven't had you know major unrest here or anything like that. But. I'm not going to sit here and say that we're, we're, we're perfect and that we don't, we have not had some gaps out there, but I, I do think that we, we handle our business um, in, a, in, in an appropriate manner. Yeah. There was a, there was an episode. It's a classic clip from the old dragnet show for anybody that doesn't know fifties and sixties was on radio and then on, on TV dragnet about LEPD. And then it, it morphed into, um, into Adam 12, but somebody asked Jack Webb, the, uh, Joe Friday, he said, what about corruption? Why did the, why did the cops, why did they do this? You know, got arrested or whatever they did. And he goes, the problem uh, is that we recruit from the, from the human race. And it's like, it's inevitable, man. It's exactly right. And thank you for saying that, Karen, because I mean, I, I think honestly, we, we, even us, we all need to be reminded about that. Listen, we're human. You know, we make mistakes. We do dumb stuff. We do act. We make accidents. All this thing. I mean, we're, we're we're humans. Yeah, that's it. We don't have an S on our chest, although we think sometimes, and everyone else thinks we do. We don't have it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's there's only so much you could do. Um, we're gonna take a quick break right now. What I want to get into when we come back is the pay and benefits for Alpharetta. So uh, we will be right back. Hey guys, this is Steve Gould, host of the Things Police See podcast. I want to let you know the Police Applicant podcast, one of my favorite podcasts, is now offering additional members-only content for only $4.99 per month. 
The new subscribers-only content will feature additional episodes hosted by Ken, Donovan, and Minerva, early access to podcast episodes, special members-only YouTube content, and private meet-and-greets with the hosts and other fans. The podcast episode will still be free every two weeks, but can you believe all this extra content for only $4.99 per month? The perks are fantastic, and you'll also be supporting the valuable work our hosts provide to you. Let's face it, guys. We need people to become cops. We need these guys to guide them through it, to motivate them, to inspire them to do so. You can also support the podcast with one-time and monthly donations. The links for subscribing and donations are in the show notes in the podcast page at policebackground.net. Also, if you're interested in a podcast that concentrates on police war stories and what the men and women of law enforcement face on a day-to-day basis, please check out the Things Police See podcast on all podcast platforms or go to thingspolicesee.com. And we are back. So we're going to talk about uh, the the pay and benefits. And one thing I want to I want to make note of is the the pay and benefits across the United States change with the cost of living. And so the the pay and benefits for New York are going to be different uh, than the middle of the country or yeah. on the West Coast. Um, which I mean, it's it's just um, it's just mind blowing to me that you can live in a beautiful place like Georgia and buy property at a fraction of the cost that you can in California and those types of places. Sure. So let's, I want to keep that in mind. So let's talk about paying benefits and, and, and if you uh, go to work for Alpharetta, what, uh, what can you expect as far as, uh, as pay benefits, uh, medical uh, retirement, sure. all that? Sure. So it, it was actually really cool, Ken, because July of this year, this summer, we went to New Jersey for the second time to go do recruiting. And literally, Ken and Jesse, three days, four days before I stood before all of those candidates, I was able to tell them, well, if I was talking to you last week, the starting pay for police officer was 49000 and some change to 58, whatever it was. Today, as I stand before you candidates, and I'm speaking to you brothers, our starting pay entry level, zero experience, right? You're on a job from, um, I mean, if you're not, if you're just obviously fresh out of school, wherever, up until one year on the job, your entry level is going to, you're going to come in at, um, from 57 and you can go up to, to 66. And basically that's based off of education too. You know, so we'll pay you, I think 57 and some change, entry level, but it associates a little bit more, bachelor's a little bit more, master's a little bit more. And then that scale goes up too for for years of service up up until five, right? It caps off at five years where so I think the top that you can make is like 66, 67, something to that effect with um, you know, with a master's degree. So that is unique. And, and, and the interesting thing about that is Ken, you just laid out how if you're in the Northeast, you're in, a, in Pacific Northwest, the West Coast, things are different. Our starting pay, we actually were right there with, with Jersey and New York and some of these other outfits. You know, it actually, some of these agencies, we were actually even more. Um, I, I won't shout them out, but, um, you know, a buddy of mine who's a, um, a director in an agency in New Jersey, and I was, you know, hanging out with him when I was up there, 
their starting pay was like 40 something. Wow. And I'm like, huh? <laughs> and it was crazy. And I'm like, I'm at 57. I'm 10 grand more than you. And I'm in, in Georgia. How is that mm-hmm. even feasible? But the difference, and again, I need to, to I need to be transparent because we're talking about recruiting and all these other things. I do need to be transparent. Now, Jersey, what will happen is this, you know, they're going to, their steps are going to be much quicker. They're going to top out in five to seven years, mm-hmm. you know, so they're going to, they're going to in, in, in Alpharetta, you're going to enjoy a three to 4%, you know, a COLA, you know, um, raise each year. So you're not going to be in five years, you know, something, you know, thousand dollars, you know, something like that. So, so that was a difference, but to your point, I mean, you start out handsomely. If you remember, I told you that the income for the median income for an individual in Alpharetta, it's a fluent area, is $61,000. So, you know, you're coming here off the street, right out of college or whatever. I mean, you're right there. Mm -hmm. And granted, let's say you come right out of right out of college and you're at, um, you know, 59,000, 60 still with overtime and all stuff. You're over that 61, which I which I told you about. So, so, you know, so you're there. Um, as far as our bennies, our benefit package for, you know, in times of change, you guys understand this uh, as well. You know, when I came in, we had, you know, the pension and all these other things. And it was it was great. So now our retirement program for our new candidates is basically, it's basically a four 401A plan. So what the, the city will do is they're going to... Um, Take 10% of your salary and they're going to dump that into your 401A. Sorry, your 401. We also have something called a 457 plan, which you can also be a part of that too. And after a year on the job, the city will start to match up into 5% for that. But then you get into, you know, of course, you have, we have your medical, which is your, um, your, your dental, your eye care, your, your uh, medical for an individual, depending on what plan you you get, but you could typically pay, expect to pay about seventeen dollars a pay period for for medical. Now again, it can go up if you have a family and you know and different things like that. But we also have these breaks, like we have a thirteen hundred dollar um, break that you can have. It's our, our wellness program. So basically, if you say that you know a few times a year you'll meet with our, our wellness coach, and you have to do like three wellness checks or something a year that can mean you go get a flu shot, you go get a COVID shot, you go run a 5k, uh, you know, anything like this, you know, you know, you can show that, you know, on your smartwatch, you're watching, you know, you're doing some special diet, anything like that will count as a credit. You do three of those a year and that knocks off 1300. Then we also have a tobacco program. So if you sign this wave that I'm not doing, it's not going to smoke, you know, tobacco, you know, there's um, an additional discount that you enjoy uh, per pay period because because of that. So I mean, those are you know some of you know some of our, our our benefits within the the financial benefits. We will give you our PTO time. We'll front you eighty hours after ninety days. Almost at thirty after ninety days, Jesse. Can I'm giving you ninety? I'm giving you eighty hours. Mm-hmm. Right? Bam. That's yours. That was unheard of before. Hmm. You know, because, you know, people are coming in, they have families or whatever, they can't get off, something happens to them, you know, and they, they, they have to obviously get pay, um, take off without pay. So at least now we give you that. Uh, that's great. And you, that's yours, unless you decide to try to, you know, leave on us within a year, then they'll they'll take that, that back. Uh, we have um, an incentive for 
um, hiring incentives, a bonus of, of $5,000. Um, I'll talk to you about that too on how I use that to play into the role in, in our New Jersey candidates or out-of-state candidates. So we also, you know, offer that. We have a take-home car pro- program, which I know, Jesse, I'm sure you do too as well. So every, every Leo, once you get out of FTO, you have your own car. And, and, and Ken, basically what that, that's helped, what, what that means is, yes, you know how it is, 35 years ago, hot seat in it, you know, you come up, you start your tour, you're jumping in the car, somebody's butt just got out of it, you know, and that car is just going and going and going and going. <laughs> Here, we, every every officer has their own, his or her own car. And I'll tell you this too, again, and I guess we, we, you know, we have, you know, some, you know, some officers who, you know, want to whine a little bit about some of these things, but they're driving good cars. They're not driving hoopties, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, they, hoopties. <laughs> You know, I'm trying, you know, you may drive five. I mean, these are, are are really good cars, and and it's yours. You know, the bottom line is you're taking that home. You know, basically where almost wherever you live, um, within 30, 30 minutes from the city, that that's that's your ride. You know, and you're driving it. You take care of it. You can when you come in for your start your tour. Your stuff is there. If you want to be nasty, and you want to leave a donut under the seat. It's going to be the same donuts coming under the seat. You know, but the point I'm making is. It's yours. So it also, you know, gives these officers, you know, some buy-in to, to take care of the property too, you know, because it's, it's theirs. Uh, one of the things I sold to the candidates in New Jersey, I'm not sure if you guys have this out your way, but it's a courtesy officer program. So again, like I was telling you, it's really expensive to live in Alfred at a medium, median uh, monthly rent would be about $1,600. So, and, and that's medium because believe me, it goes much higher than that. But it's nothing, nothing for you to go find a beautiful, and this could, this could be like if you were living in Beverly Hills, Ken, right? You think about some of those apartment complexes there, right? That you can get there and they'll hire you as a courtesy officer. And some of these, these places will give you from a 10% discount to a 100% discount. Wow. So imagine that now. Here you are, you come in, you know, you're a new officer, and believe me, I've taken advantage of that for you know many years here in in, in this city. You're you're a new officer, and your rent is on arm. You're not paying any rent. I mean that 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 is a bonus. I'll tell you, our 457 program that we have that that I have over the years that is what really allowed me to be able to to max out whatever the government contribution max allowed me to put in. I was able to do that. So I think for like the last 17 years, I had maxed out on my 457 because, you know, of all those years when I was, you know, in an apartment complex and it allowed you, you know, and you got discounted rent. So it makes a difference. And it's a, it's a, it's a great selling point, but it definitely, definitely, you know, makes a difference. That's cool. Hey, Jesse, I, I got to tell you that um, Jakai brought back another memory, another memory oh, for no. me. Oh, no. <laughs> So when I, I I came out of the academy in 1980, so that's 43 years ago, and okay. and I learned one of the first things I learned is say, um, so uh, so whose car is that? Oh, that's the suspect's hoopty, and that's like, <laughs> oh man, I haven't heard hoopty in so I, long. I'll be honest, the last time I heard hoopty was probably on a movie or something. Oh, I was gonna say one thing you brought up that I really liked was the your wellness program that you have mm-hmm. because in my opinion and then i know you guys would agree that if you're a cop i i believe you need to be in shape 
you know, this is a physical job. And obviously we see a lot of cops and, you know, that are, they're out of shape that can cause health problems. Sure. And so it's, you know, my, my whole thing is how do you approach somebody um, or approach, you know, a police department or police officer and say, Hey, you know, this job you need to be in shape for it's, it's coming at them as an attack, but now you kind of give them an incentive. Like, listen, if you just take care of your help, you stop chewing, you work out, you clean up your diet, you know, you cut out drinking, you literally will get a financial bonus for it. That kind of takes away the the nagging aspect of it. And you're good to go. I think that's a great idea. Brothers. Thanks for bringing that up, Jesse. Yeah. Thanks for bringing that up because I actually almost shortchanged my department. Not only do we have that, we have something called an alphabet program. So the same obstacle course that we have our candidates run and you have two minutes and six seconds to get around that, that, that course. If you just complete it, you get, they'll give, they give the department will give you a bonus and they give you like a day off for that. If you do it in elite status, which I think is like a minute under a minute and 40 seconds, which is really nothing really. Mm -hmm. They also will give you an additional point on your evaluation at the end of the year. So, I mean, that's, it, it, it's huge to your point, you know, you have that, but then the other crazy thing, and, and I'm sure maybe you do this in Colorado as well, but do you realize we also can have a fitness break during your tour duty? Mm. They'll give you 45 minutes to go train. Now we have right here across the, across the hall, we have a weight room with gym here that you can go use showers and all that stuff. Yeah. But like for me, you know, I have to go use the, you know, the, the gym down the street where it's nice and beautiful and all that other stuff. So if I want to go to my lifetime fitness in the middle of my tour, I can go do it. Sounds like a firefighter gig. <laughs> and that's not, and that doesn't mean if I decide to do that, Ken and Jesse, that oh, I don't get to take my lunch that day. Yeah. yeah. You know, they allow you to do that. And you, know, you still want to go break bread, go break bread. You know, so thank you for bringing that up too, Jesse. And I'm sure we'll talk about that later too, later on too, about the wellness of us. Mm-hmm. But so important. And again, another indication on how this city of Alpharetta, they, they work and they try to really take care of the employees in this department. Yeah, and I think that's a very good topic. I'm 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 glad to hear that because because mental and physical health is huge, huge sure. right now. We just had we had um, a Austin PD SWAT officer that was killed, and on the same day, uh, one of their officers took their own lives, and that is a hit to any police department. And and the least we can do for our officers who are you know. It's it's been a difficult few years. The least we can do is concentrate on mental health. Um, certainly, physical conditioning can be, you know, the turning point in whether you survive uh, a life threatening incident as well. And I think you think too number one killer for us. So you 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 brothers are right on point in what you're saying. What I think too when you get departments because. I see what happened is what LA Sheriff uh, last week when they had four suicides yeah. oh, in wow. a single day. And was that four suicides? Four suicides. Four. LA, LA County I Sheriff. know it was four deaths. I didn't know they were. Oh my goodness. Wow. And I think, you know, I'm listening to, I, I believe you posted it on Instagram, the, uh, the officer or the deputy that was talking about how overworked they were, how stressed they were. 
besides being physically, you know, helpful getting into the gym, you guys know how it is. How does it feel mentally for you to oh, come yeah. out, get a good workout, you clear all your mind out. So I think that, you know, I think your, your wellness program from a physical standpoint is also huge for a mental health standpoint. Cause I know for me, if I miss a workout, like I, I do, I can feel my stress, yeah. my anxiety, everything's, you know, I, I don't like it. So I have to get my workout in both from physical and a mental standpoint. Well, I think it's great. Yeah. And, and, and listen, my, you know, I have passions, two passions right now. Well, I have a few, but recruiting is still one of my passions. Mm-hmm. And I have another one, which is mental health. So don't open that door for me, Ken, because if you get me talking about that, I'm, you know, I'm going <laughs> to lay some things down for you brothers that we definitely need to hear. But I'm, I'm, I'm definitely really extremely passionate about the mental health yeah. of, of us on the job because mm-hmm. it's, it's, it's something serious. And um, and I'm I'm always willing and ready to talk about it, and and even if it gets to the point where I have to tell my own testimony, you know, awesome. and, and my own transition, my life transition, and how I transition back to who I am today. So I um, I'm always willing and ready to talk about that. That sounds like a special um, subscriber content episode right there. <laughs> so that that whole thing with mental health that's huge to me. I, I work with a. Um, a great guy named Nick Wilson who runs the resiliency project. And there's a lot of other, there's right. a lot of, and I, I have uh, PTSD from 1992 as well. And so I'm very keyed into all of this stuff, but it seems like sure. it's been ramping up worse than it's been in decades. Sure. And so I think yeah. it's important to talk about, but I'm going to talk to you about that as well. Uh, okay. Jakai about having an episode with you about that. I think you cannot okay. tell enough stories of redemption and healing and coming out of the fire. Right. You cannot no. tell enough stories. Right. You're um, absolutely right. So we're going to segue into the nuts and bolts about what, why we're here. And that's the recruitment process, because I love talking about recruitment mm-hmm. because there are so many different methods and so many success stories. And uh, to be quite honest with you, um, not all the agencies get it right. And no. when I talked to uh, Westminster and then in, in talking with you already, you guys are doing it right. And so I think it's mm-hmm. important. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to push this, uh, this section to the other agencies that I know that say, this is something you may want to consider. So let's get into the recruitment prof- process for Alpharetta. Mm-hmm. Um, what is, just take us through the basic steps from the time I want to apply and turn in my application right. to the end. Right. So, so initially, so you're going to go to adpscareers.com. adpscareers. adpscareers.com. Right. And so initially you're going to fill out our pre-selection questionnaire, right? And it's going to talk about Hey, you know, Ken, did you steal this one? You, you know, all those, those things, you know, are you even going to be eligible to even continue to go through this stuff? Uh, then you'll fill out our application process, the packet, the full packet. And that, and that has your, your background packet. Then you'll be invited to take our PAT, our physical agility test. Now, this was what, this made it actually really easy for New Jersey because when I started, we also had to be at a PAT ed, as well as a written. We actually went up, did, did away with the the written and we just had the PAT because you have to actually take an entry exam anyway to get into mandate to the academy. 
So you'll take you'll you'll take your PAT physical agility test. Then you'll sit for an oral board interview. Then after your oral board interview, you'll have your medical screen, your psychological, your polygraph, and then the last portion of that. And, and again, of course, all that is contingent on your background. We do a full background. Um, a background investigator does that. And then your final, final step is to meet with the chief, which basically means that, I mean, you're going to be offered a job at that point. So unless you just go in the chief's office, you know, and, you know, tell him where to go, you're getting a job, right, at that point if, if, if you get there. So, 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 so that's our process. But it is unique to kind of explain and talk to you about this whole New Jersey initiative what we were doing before and how we streamlined that process. Mm-hmm. I mean, because even to include our PAT, we were doing, Jesse, what is it? It's a Cooper's, right? Coop, the Cooper, yeah, test. Cooper test. Yeah. So the Cooper's test, what we were doing before, you know, the mile and a half or in, in all these other different things. So we ended up taking that off the table and going with our PAT, which is the state administered exam, our physical agility test, which is the one you have to pass to get in the academy anyway. So we were like, well, well, gee, if the if, if the academy, if this is what they're doing, let's let's do that. Because honestly, and by God, listen, fellas, I believe every officer should be able to run a mile and a half. Yes, I do believe that. Okay. I think every officer should be able to sprint almost, you know, you know, 300 meters. Yes, I do that. I think everyone else should be able to do 40 push-ups and sit-ups. Yes, I do. Now, you brothers, you in L.A. and Colorado, you you guys, you work, work, work. But in my 25 years on the job, I can tell you this. I've never had to run a mile and a half trying to trying to catch a suspect. You know, but have I had to simulate running through a window, jumping a fence, going under a fence, going over some steps, dragging a dummy and all these different things, which our PAT is. And the state one was like, yes. So that's why when I brought that to the chief, I'm like, Let's get this, let's take this Cooper off the table. You know, we had, you know, some of the jarheads and some of the other, uh, other people. No, 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 you got to be able to do this. I'm just like, no. <laughs> uh-uh. Let's be progressive here. This is what the state is doing. Let's go ahead and do this. But then the best part of that is, it's like, listen, we can build this, throw it in the back of a trailer, and we can transport it, baby. I like that. I want to get into that. Yeah. You know, back in the... Back in the 90s, there was a department in um, Arizona, and they had a unique PAT where they would, you know, like the old school was a mile and a quarter going around the athletic field and then uh, push-ups, setups, all this kind of stuff. Well, this department, their PAT was you'd have to sprint. It's like similar to a foot pursuit. You'd sprint. You'd hop over a wall. You'd sprint. You do That is, that's like, can you do this? Can you go on foot pursuit? I like that. I like look that. At, look at the post. It was, uh, they had that shooting in um, Houston. I think it was yesterday. Mm-hmm. What did the guy do? He had to pick the guy up from his outer carrier and do a dummy drag back behind him. Oh. Put him under a truck. I mean, there you go. That's yeah. I, I hope if that happens to me, that whoever's my partner can do that and get me behind cover. You That's know? right. And, and you're exactly right. Because you know what? Perhaps <laughs> you, can, you can burn a mile and a half run, but you know you can't pull my behind to cover. Just like you said. So, I mean, you're right. Great yeah. point, Jesse. And and just for our listeners, if you haven't seen it yet, uh, Google this um, citizen helps police officer. This was intense, man. The guy was like in, 
you almost thought he was like a combat medic or something. He goes and he drags the officer with the help of another with a, another officer. The officer's down. He pulls him out of the line of fire, and he's not. Wow. He's a citizen. He's not armed. But wow, wow the courage! Wow. Recruit mm-hmm. him. <laughs> Yeah. He's actually a former felon. I looked at. Oh, <laughs> that was an incredible. Well, still, that's a yeah. that's a pretty incredible story right there. Yeah. Um. So basically, uh, I want to get into this: how you took your recruitment efforts on the road, because that's pretty. Okay. That's that's. I cannot yeah. tell you that is the coolest yeah. thing I've ever heard. Yeah. How how's the um? What's the background investigation like? Is it pretty intense? Is it um? Uh, I imagine so, you guys dig as deep as anybody else does. But that, Ken, that was exactly it. That was one of the things that I brought up to the chief, right? We get, and I'm calling this, law enforcement across the board, I'm calling us all out on this. Because what we do is we want to make it seem like, yes, you get on the job, you get hired. Oh, my goodness. You, you're the man. You're the woman. You went through this extensive background check because it takes – they want to take six months a year to go ahead and complete someone's background. But at the end of the day, what's going on is that packet is sitting on that dog on desk. I've, I've investigated homicides. I said, I know what it takes to investigate something. Ken, Jesse, I don't need six months to find out how much reefer you smoked in high school or college. You know, we don't need that. And that's what I told Chief. I said, Chief, you're a seasoned detective. I was like, we can speed this process up. All we need to do is just put our foot on, a ch- on, on, on the chest of our background investigator and say, get it done. Okay, don't have this thing sitting here. We don't have to play these games with, the, you know, with these candidates. Let's just get it done. And, and I'll tell you, when we were in New Jersey, Chief flew up and he stood in front of all of these candidates and, and the media, the media asked him this question. Chief, when can you, how quick can you hire these guys? And he goes, I'm, prepa- I'm, pre- I'm prepared to hire them all in two months. I was like, whoa. Now, I cringed. I cringed because that was extremely ambitious. Mm-hmm. I was like, oh, wow. But guess what? That detective that I told you, that NYPD officer, July 7th, September 7th, two months. Mm. And-, and not to hire her, two months was her first day on the job. That that's pretty. Two months was her first day on the job. Not her to yeah. say, "Okay, you got a job. You start <laughs> in three weeks." First day on the job, two months. That's pretty good. I mean, it's difficult because just the background portion. If you're doing a good background, you should be able to do it within 30 days to complete the background. For the time it gets on your desk, if it if it's if it's if there's issues in the background, you need to get paperwork or or whatever else right. you have to do. It, it can take 60 to 90 days, but the it depends on the back on the on the agencies as well. Back in the day, LEPD had 4,000 applicants in the, in the pipeline at any given time. And that is the entire testing process. And so recently the chief of police said, Hey, I want, I want the turnaround to be 90 days. And I'm like, you'd be lucky if you can get the backgrounds done within 90 days. Cause that's, that's pretty ambitious. But then you include all the other testing involved. Um, right, right, it de- depending right. on the department. Um, well, yeah, yeah, and, and you're exactly right. And and all of those things come into play because, again, some of these backgrounds, some of these, these questionnaires, you know, it's like you said, can you waiting around? Okay, yeah. we tell them we need to know who your neighbors are. Well, you know what? Today, this is not like it was yesterday. Uh, we 
we knew all the neighbors on the, in the block of the two block radius. I mean, Jesus, I, I, you don't know your next door neighbor, you know, <laughs> or he was living here, you know, last week, someone else was, you know, so, so many things that we were holding up people's process on things that, you know, were, were beyond their control. And our investigator, if you're on a job, so if we're going to, we're coming to get you, Ken, you know, we're actually flying to California. So we're going to go to L.A. You know, when we get Jesse to come over here, we're going to go fly <laughs> to Colorado, you know, and actually talk to his best, you know, so all these things. So we'll actually do that if you're on a job. If you're not, we won't fly out out there to do that. Mm-hmm. You know, we'll do you know, what we can, you know, but we we were able to speed it up. But also all those other things that I outlined to you that we you have to do the oral board, the the medical, the polygraph the psychological, all of that came and that was part of, of my package on how I sold this to the chief mm-hmm. and it streamlined everything. And and that's not impossible to do. That's a very mm-hmm. easy thing to do. There's so much bloat in a lot of these recruitment processes and yeah. just in, in completing the background investigations, there's so much bloat and so, it just so, eats up time. Yeah. And so, and so in talking about my process, you're, you're, you're exactly right. Now, for me, a lot of this was was predicated on on relationships, right? But again, so step one, when again, when Chief tells me he throws hiring and recruiting to me, tells me to fix this problem, I say it's a systemic national problem. What the heck am I supposed to do? I don't care what you do. So as I start coming up with this, so the first part was the PAT. And initially, you know, one of my my best mates in in Jersey, he um he builds houses for a living, has, has a contracting business. And so he initially was like, screw it. I'll just build this obstacle course for you right here in Jersey. So that's what we, I wasn't even going to trail it up. He was just going to build it for me in Jersey. But then later on, we ended up saying, no, we'll, we'll use it again. So we'll build it and transport it. So that was the first part that we took off. The other part was, well, where's the location? Well, one of my good buddies is he sits on council and, um, Hasbrook Heights High School, New Jersey. Um, and he also is a principal for, for that school district. And H-A-S-B-R-O-U-C-K, Hasbrook Heights is in Bergen County. He also is a principal. So he worked it out for us that he's like, you know what, when I started talking to him about this, he's like, he's hosted right here. And the great thing about Hasbrook Heights is that there's a bunch of uh, state routes and interstates that dump right into that area, which make it great for uh, citizens, residents, wherever you're coming from within New Jersey or within the tri-state, because we were going after New Jersey, New York, PA, everyone. So it made it really easy. It's literally 10 miles from the city, from New York City. So that was great. And he set it up for us. He was like, and also too, I'll set it up. We'll give it to you on the arm for free. So first of all, New York is like, like, like LAP, you're not getting anything for free. Right? You're not going to rent an entire school or have a whole, a, a whole school for four days for free. Mm-hmm. So, so they did that for us, you know, on the arm, gave it to us completely free. And so, so, so we checked that. And again, that was relationships. Then we got into our, our medical. So we have this facility that we use is called Concentra, Concentra Healthcare. They have, several um, outlets in, in California and in Colorado. Mm-hmm. So we have one spot here in Alpharetta, Johns Creek, Alpharetta, every candidate. So Jesse, if you were coming out here to, to get hired, Ken, you, both you, you fellas would be flying into Atlanta and staying somewhere in this Alpharetta area and then going 
to get your medical screening there. So one of my best friends is one of the vice presidents for Consentual. Mm. And I'm telling him, he's like, what are you talking about? He's like, we have so many markets all over the country. He goes, says, he goes in Jersey, he goes, they're like liquor stores. They're on every corner. He goes, as we're talking right now, he's banging in there. I'm setting it up for you right now so that your candidates don't have to come to, to Alpharetta. They can go to any one of the ones in Jersey and New York, and they'll have the same medical screen. The billing is already set up, so you'll it'll send, send you right to the city of Alpharetta, and then you're done. Check. Relationship. And then we get to our, um, our psychological. We had a doctor here that we used in one of the areas here. Everybody had to come here, go see see that doctor, you know, the, the same four or five hour exam, you know how that was. Well, our HR director, she had worked in the Midwest for a long time, and there was this company that she was using. She's like, you know what? We can do this. This company I use, it was remote. And they basically, you know, do it via Zoom. And it actually uh, works out really well because, you know, from day one, they start analyzing you, right? From the time, can you call? And you're like, hey, I'm, I'm going to set up my appointment. They listen to how you answer the phone. When you have your first Zoom video call with them, they're analyzing what's going on in the background. Just like you pick peep this out, Ken. You know, and they, they were telling us stories where, they saw people who had swastikas in the background and all kinds of stuff. So they're constantly evaluating you from the rip. There was um, a story where they said one guy was, he was fantastic. He was great. But then the, the baby started crying in the background and the guy says, hold on, gets up, cursed his wife out up and down. <laughs> you know, you know, so things like this are like, you know, they, it, it actually they were just showing us there were so many benefits to that. But the point I'm making remote. Right. Mm-hmm. So our candidates can do this right there in New Jersey. Then I got to, I said, the aura boards. I said, well, well, Lord Jesus, look what we're doing right now. I said, chief, if Corona didn't teach us anything, <laughs> we can do everything remote. So we can still have our aura board panel right mm-hmm. here in Alpharetta. Mm-hmm. I said to the candidates, they can go, they can put their, their Sunday best on and sit here and sit for an interview. Mm-hmm. And so, 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 so that was a check. And then the last portion of it was the um, polygraph, which we ended up just sending our polygrapher, you know, up to, to Jersey to conduct or to New York to conduct them. So I was like, we can pull this off. So mm-hmm. the, the thing that was so unique about it is, you know, like I think I shared with you, Jesse, if this if this were corporate America, this is what's going on, right? Mm-hmm. I'm coming to Colorado, right? Some company in Colorado is going to fly me out from Hartsfield, you know, to, to, to Denver. They're going to have a car service waiting for me. They're going to put me up in the Marriott. They're going to have a car service, pick me up from the Marriott, bring me to, to the company. They're going to walk me around and prance me around and show me all these other things. They're going to pay for my lunch. So all of these beautiful things, it's going to cost me nothing, right? But the government, the state, we can't compete with that. Mm-hmm. So when I'm selling this to Chief, I'm like, Chief, the days of local recruiting are over. Mm-hmm. Yes, you have some of these agencies that nationally recruit, but all they're doing is they're going to go to Colorado, they're going to go to to uh, Washington State, they're going to go to California, and they're going to say, "Hey, our agency's so great. Here's a pamphlet, fill it out, and then come out here to us." I said, "We have to go get these people." I told you before, I was a wrestler from day one. It was always instead go after it, go get it. You got to get it. So, corporate America does it. They go get good people from all over the country. 
they don't say shit. I'm just gonna stay. Shoot, I'm just gonna stay here in Denver and <laughs> and, and get the people here in Denver. They go get the best that they can get throughout the country. And understanding the dynamic that I understood in New Jersey, there were a bunch of men and women who wanted to be on a job. I understood it was difficult to get on the job. I said, let's capitalize on that. And there were so many things that worked in our favor. To include what Ken said when he was talking about, I'm coming to Alpharetta. Jersey, if you don't get on a boat by 35, you're done. We don't have age restrictions. Mm -hmm. So, So Ken, my brother... I can come get you, all right? And you can come go through, you get through that PAT, you can get hired. I can still do it, man. You can still do it, man. Well, and that's what ain't Jay nothing. <laughs> I, I like the corporate analogy because, you know, yeah, none of us work in corporate America, but you're 100% right. You know, the corporations, they hire people to get somebody, whatever the, the specialty is, from all over the country. They don't care what it is. And I mean, that you know, we've started doing that as well, but there's, I don't understand why we wouldn't because the applicant pool is more than just for us, the Denver Metro area or for you guys, the Atlanta area. Right. It's literally everywhere. Right. You know? Exactly. exactly. Yeah. And I, I like the way you're harnessing technology because realistically, I, I mean, Jesse, why didn't we think about this before, before Jakai did, and we would take credit for this amazing genius way of getting people through the through the testing process because with technology there's nothing you cannot do even the even the written test you could do that remotely have people log into the computer and you can you can monitor there's no way to fake the test because they would be live with you on the computer mm-hmm. as they take the written test there's no way to fake it everything we actually did that we actually and I told you we don't have a written test but this year we did Jersey 2.0. Not only did we go to hire police, we went to hire 911 operators, mm-hmm. and they have to sit for an exam. But we had our operator, they came right there, they proctored the exam orally right there, but it was electronic. Yeah. And it was go- and they were go- so, Ken, you answered your question. Yeah. I mean, there's nothing, the only thing you cannot do it would be the physical. The physical agility test, right. but but you could do the the psych, the oral, the written. Mm-hmm. Um, what else is there? I can't even think off the top of my head. But uh, the the Medical the poly the poly. Mm-hmm. Well, the polys can be done in the state that they're in. Mm-hmm. You know, there's poly- polygraphic. There's if you even still want to consider doing that. I mean, a lot some states don't even do it. You know, so I mean that could be. I mean, that's a different conversation. Yeah, you know, but. You know, I just had one of one of our other co-hosts. He just came from back from California. He spent almost three months there going through poly school. And that's what he's going to be doing into retirement coming up. Right. And um, um, he's he's a member of two huge U.S. polygraph associations. There's there's sure. polygraph examiners all over the United States. And basically the polys are basically the same. Right. That's exactly what you do. You yeah. can, yeah. And so. So wh- why can't departments uh, just do all this stuff remotely and then the physical agility test, you can you take care of that. Because what do we do in this business, right? We've what talked do, about this. We, what do we do? We say, you know what? Because we've always done it this way. Oh, man. That's why. That's why we, that, that's exactly why. Yep. You know, so when you want to talk about being progressive, you want to talk about embrace, embracing technology, you want to talk about always being, um, I don't know, a student of change, you know, you have to, you, you have to be able to learn. You have to be able to unlearn. You have to be able to relearn. Right. And that's things that we just 
do horribly in this field. But I think that's it. I just think that's because it's just like, you know what? We've always done it this way. So it was just like foreign <laughs> to even, this wasn't, I'm not, believe me, I'm not a genius. <laughs> believe me, I'm really, I'm not. You know, I wasn't a great student. You know, I got through it. You know what I mean? Yeah. So it's just like, I mean, it was just one of those things that, you know, we just, we've always done it this way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it reminds yeah. me of the, the LEPD's. Uh, I'll throw I'll throw my department under the bus. <laughs> the uh, LEPD's mentality in that they wouldn't go along with with posts a lot of times. They would do yeah. their own thing, and we're and why why are you doing it this way? Because we're LEPD and we've always done it this way. Yes, yeah. So. It. Well, it goes back like you know a lot of times people come in my office and this is what I'm doing. <laughs> I'm on my phone scrolling, right? They say, "Are you on Instagram again?" Yes, I am. <laughs> except that what they don't realize is how do these these recruits? How do you con- communicate with them? It's through Instagram. Yes. you know, you you have to use all the mediums from texting to Instagram to social media to podcasts mm-hmm. to whatever just to even reach these people because we do need a wide and and I know Ken, we talked about this and and Jakai, we have too. The applicant pool is not what it used to be. You know, we have a lot of people that aren't going to pass. So why are we limiting ourselves to just the local area when we could be, you know, getting a guy from wherever three states away who could be an all-star at Westminster or Alpharetta or whatever. So I agree. I mean, you got to use everything you have and you, as much as I hate to say it sometimes, because I have my, my ups and downs with social media, but it's been huge for us for, for recruiting. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and this is why I got, we're, we're fighting right now to even beef up, you know, our social media and get up, you know, a full time, you know, officer in there all the time because it's just it's a must. It has to happen. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this is this is an exciting time. And um, and uh, Jakai, I think you're on the on the uh, cutting edge of recruitment and hiring with this because the the. The, there's just zero reason why you cannot make your recruitment world smaller. Right. You know, you don't have to fly here and there and everywhere to go and call to colleges and set up your booth and pay thousands and thousands of dollars for the trip and for officer salaries when you can just, you know, harness social media. You can right. you can contract with medical and psych and polygraph and save yourselves thousands and thousands of dollars and get the same thing done on the mm-hmm. on the out on the, when was it in the 2020 during the the whole covid thing uh, um washington state state uh troopers washington state patrol they had to figure out a way we can't do you know because of because of uh, all the restrictions we can't have a bunch of people gathering uh, to do the pat not the pat yeah i guess the pat and so what they did was they set up a video PAT where you had to on video and it would capture your push-ups and sit-ups and all that. And they will actually wow. do that because they had to, they had to use innovation because you couldn't get large herds of people. in one place. Right. Yeah. And so they figured out, let's do it on video. And then we we'll watch the video and we'll look at their, um, uh, how they do the, this. And if they can do the actual PAT, you know, right. that's just that part. It's not the running around and all that, but, that's just the, if you can't pass that basic thing, that takes nothing. Right. They log mm-hmm. in, they videotape it. And, and if they can't pass that, then, you know, you're out. 
And right. so there are there are innovations that can be used, but you are correct in that this is genius what you're doing. And yeah. I can you I remember the email I sent you. I said, I wish this was my idea. It wasn't. <laughs> you have to read this article. Unbelievable. Oh, I was on board. Yeah. You know, and, and and I'll tell you too, listen, I mean, and it's we still need work. And and I'll tell you just being transparent, you know, within my own organization, you know, there was a lot of doubt. Um, even today, you know, we still, there's still people who look at it like it was, um, it wasn't a success, you know, uh, to be all, to be transparent, you know, some of the candidates that we've, we've gotten through, who we hired through that process, um, didn't get through uh, field training. But, and again, I'm just being transparent about my, my organization. You know, but the thing is, you we have to look at what we did. It was the fact that we needed people. So we came up with a unique way to go get these people and it can be done in something that was never done before. So, you know, in my opinion, you know, we just continue just to pour into it with better ideas. All right. This is that's what innovation is. Right. You know, you come up with something and then greater minds come together and, and make it better. You know, so uh, I think that for other outfits throughout this country, yeah, I mean, that this is the way to go. You can do it. And one thing that, you know, we proved here is that it can be done. It works. Mm-hmm. You guys had what? Ten hours. And we saved all these candidates money. When I was 23, 24 years old, I didn't have, you know, two nickels to rub together. I had to fly out here to Atlanta four or five times before I got the job. I'm already behind the eight ball, right? That's it. What's what else is unique to that, right? Student loan, same thing, right? But here, if I can now go to these candidates and I'm taking all those expenses off the table, whatever it costs you to travel to Hasbro Heights to take the PAT, that's what it's going to cost you. But you know, those hundreds and thousands of dollars that I had to spend or whatever to to get a twenty three thousand dollar job at the time, it's crazy, you know. So we just took that off the took that completely off the table. And you guys hired 10 from that process, right? We hired, we ended up hiring nine from that process. That's right. okay. awesome, man. That's and crazy. I, I've had so many candidates when I'd done a lot of backgrounds, but I've had candidates that have, that have said, uh, I'd go to their work and I'd do an employment check and they said, well, they got written up for, for sick time, you know, like that. And, and I'd ask the candidate what happened. And they go, they wrote me up cause I had to take sick time to go take the police tests. Right. You, know, you got to take wow. your, they're just going to, I, I want to go apply for a police officer. Oh yeah, sure. Take your time. Just come back to work when you can. It doesn't work right. like that. And no, no, it, it doesn't. And it's funny that you're going to ask, you want to talk about these stories, right? Ken, we actually, when we were testing and the media actually caught this, we had individuals who and thank, thank you to, to social media as well as local media for putting um, our story out there. But after the first day we were there and Spotlight News and New Jersey 12, they were covering us on the news. People were seeing, like, people over there, and I guess there was men and women hanging out, you know, down the shore at happy hour, drinking, getting it in, and they're seeing us on TV. Like, wait a minute. So they were showing up the next day, like, man, I'm here to take this test. We had one candidate came, he goes, hey, sir, how long will it take me to run this test? Like, we could get you through right away. He goes, oh, because I'm on lunch, man. I got to get back in 40 minutes. Let's do it. I mean, literally took his stuff off. You know, we had a guy show up in the Sunday best. We had to Give them, you know, a shirt and some uh, some sneakers to run the course, you know. So 
everything that you're saying, you're exactly right. I mean, we just brought it to you. We took so much of this, that stress and those restraints off of you. And here it is. Yeah, this is great. I wouldn't have had this opportunity other places. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And because of that, you know, I think some of these candidates, they truly are really loyal and appreciative to this outfit and their work has shown it. Yeah, this is this is just this interview has been a great experience. Mm -hmm. And I think, uh, Jesse, you're going to walk away from this going, hmm, (laughs) you know, trust me, I already said, uh, you know, I was telling my superiors and stuff. I'm like, wait, what did he do? And I told them and they're like, where do you want to (laughs) go? You know, (laughs) I was like, I got some ideas. But no, it's it's like I said, this has been an awesome interview. Um, And again, I can't like it was very random, you know, how we all kind of got, got together here, but I mean, it all kind of worked out and, and uh, yeah, she got a great job on that. And, you know, it's been, it's been great. I'll tell you Alpharetta again, it sounds like Westminster to me. It sounds like, you know, you guys are just crushing it in Georgia. And, um, and I'll tell anybody watching this, you know, if you're looking to stay down there in the Southeast watching SEC football or whatever, I know a department you can work for. My brother, my brother, my brother. That's awesome. Um, uh, Jakai, do you have uh, uh, kind of segueing into another part here? I always like to hear maybe war stories or things like that to kind of get people uh, to know a little bit more about the the officers that we that we uh, interview. And so I asked before, if you have any war stories and that's kind of a broad term, but it could be, do you have anything where something was really intense, the call, or was there a feel good story that you remember that, uh, that really made your day? Do you have anything like that? Yeah, I feel good. Um, yeah, we, it's not really a feel, let me tell you, and this is, I guess, kind of trying to, I don't want to pat myself on the back, but the one thing I can, I, I can tell you, and it's just, I completely forgot about this. So it's funny on how, how, how you treat people and how that can come back on you. My son's pediatrician, she, uh, I worked the case for, and this is way before I had my son, uh, I worked the case as a detective. Yeah, yeah. Oh, sorry. sorry. Oh yeah. <laughs> sorry about that. Um, worked the case for her years ago and it was a burglary at her practice at her dentistry and i ended up identifying the actor and and essentially calling up on him and i remember when i went back to when i went to to, to arrest him he was he was at home he was with his kid and i told him i said hey listen my brother i said this is how this is going to go down i said you know you and i are going to walk outside you're going to kiss your kid goodbye. You're going to tell him you're going to go. You, you have to go with me for a little bit. We're going to talk. And uh, and then you handle your business. And it's like, I'm not going to put these handcuffs on you. And I said, of course, um, it's not really what we do. Of course, you guys know that. And I said, but, you know, from here, if you act crazy from here to a car, I was like, what your son is going to experience is going to be on you. What he's going to witness, it's going to be on you. Mm. And we just did just, just that, went to the car, went to handle business. And so I was sharing this, you know, with, you know, with the dentist and I didn't even remember that story. So now we, we fast forward, you know, 10 years and it was just so crazy that my son had had 
um, had, to have, had a cavity, had to have a teacher. It was, it was something really stressful. And it was six years old. And I remember I just like, I was losing my mind. And his mother was kind of like, oh my gosh, we got to do all this stuff. And she, she, she did some really nice things, basically just took care of us, really helped us out with our son, got this stuff done. And I remember like just taking all that stress off me. And again, this is not really related to the job, but I guess it is. And then as it circled back, she told me, she said, you know what? I remember when you did this and when you did that. And I remember always saying that this is a good cop, a good person, a good man. So she just felt like she wanted to, I guess, pay it forward for our, for our family and take care of us of that. So again, I know it's not the dodging bullets type of story mm-hmm. that you were looking for, you know, but for me, you know, just as crazy as I am about, about my son and like everyone else is about their children. It was just, it was just nice. It was just, a, you know, felt good to somebody remembered that, oh, wow, you touched somebody, you did something, um, you know, nice or honorably. And it came back, you know, to bless, you know I mean? When I was in this stressful situation. I love those stories, man. Those are some good stories. Yeah. You know, there was a story in, uh, in Washington state where this, um, this drug addict, she had been on her last leg, man. She had been arrested so many times. She was strung out and everything. And they, she got sent to jail for, for one last time. She got, she got straight in jail. She got clean. She went on to get, a, um, I think, a bachelor's or master's degree. And she's gone right. back into society doing her thing. First thing she said was that she went back to the officer that wow. arrested her. She said, thank you. You saved thank my you. life. Wow. Wow. You know, That's and. It. Those are the good stories, the stories of redemption. Yeah. Right. You know, right. you have a chance to be a part of that. That's Those are pretty cool stories. Um, yeah. So in closing, I ask this a lot of our guests. Uh, 2020 was a tough year and, and following. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then we, um, it's been tough to recruit people nowadays. And so uh, the the fallout from all of that was heavy for police departments. And mm-hmm. so what I always ask our guests is given given the state of police work and and the hard times that recruitment has been on, what advice would you have for our candidates? There's still, you know, I tell people the people that call me for consultations and the people that listen right. to this to this podcast, right. I tell them you're the you're you're the serious ones. Sure. You know, you're actually putting in the effort. To find mm-hmm. out about it, and you still want to be a cop. So, Jakai, what would you say to police officers who still want to stay the course? Very, very simple. I say this: you turned on TV, you saw what was going on TV, you saw that being a police officer is just not not popular right now. Uh, young young people understand that they can do something; people actually appreciate them and they like them, and 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 it's not dangerous and all these, these other things. But you know what? Just like you're asking me a question that you already know the answer to because you two brothers both sat in the police academy and you understand this. You understand that many are called, but only few are chosen. All right. And you understand. So what I'm saying to, to the candidates here, yes, the ones that, to those who don't believe in what we're doing, the ones who don't like us, the ones who don't care for us, I tell you, we love you. We honor you. If you ever need us, call 911. We'll be there in a New York minute. For those of you who do want this, we understand that this is a calling. All right. So everyone 
can't do this job. Everyone's not called to serve, just like everyone can't be a soldier, um, a Marine or whatever you whatever you have. So I say to those who you have, who you want to serve, this job is for you. And you're doing this because you truly want to serve your community. And those are the people who I'm telling you to stay the course and we welcome you and we want you. The other part of that is this equation. And Ken, you and I are going to probably talk about this later on, hopefully. Um, I also say to new officers and I say to current officers and us, our old heads, everyone, make sure, take care of yourself, as we spoke about. We spoke about mental health. And I'm going to be really, really quick about it because I know I don't want to take up more of your time. But it's okay for us in this career to say that we're not okay. All right. It's the right to believe and understand that you don't have an S on your chest. And I think a lot of us, we go through certain things and we're afraid to actually take advantage of EAP and all these other things because we think that they're going to take our shield away from us. They're going to take us off the job. But it's actually the antithesis of that. Because if you actually say that I need some help or I'm not well, that's exactly what happens when we get you help. Mm-hmm. And over the past few years, I can't tell you some of the officers who have told me stories about making out with their Glock, doing these, these crazy things. This is serious, serious stuff. And I'm passionate about it. And, and, I'm, and, and I'm telling you, if you need help, say it. The average Joe or Jane will see two critical incidents in their life. That means when you're a sophomore on university, you may see some drunk student fall off of a roof or something and get, get injured. 15 years later, you're driving on the 10, going somewhere, and you see some motorcycles driving like an idiot up the 10 and crash, and then you see you know, his, his dead body on the side of the road. Two critical incidents you'll see in your lifetime. You brothers here, law enforcement, they say that we see over 700 in a 20-year career. Right. So I'm saying that to you, to you and to everyone for a reason because that stuff has to go somewhere. Most of us, most outfits, they don't force us to go sit down and talk to someone unless we have an OIS or some mob shooting. That's it. Other than that, you know, the, the dead babies, the horrific th- uh, injuries, all the other 699 critical incidents that we've, we see in our lifetime or during our course of duties, we go back to work and expect us to go home, kiss our wives, um, kiss our spouses, hug our children and go about it like everyday business. But I tell you, I have to tell you this, that stuff has to go somewhere. And if you don't do something with that, it's going to cause you problems in your personal life and your professional life. So I'm serious about this. I'm passionate about it. And Ken, I hope we can talk about this more later. But look at me when I tell you it's okay to say that you're not okay. Awesome. Those are great words. Jesse, in closing, do you have any closing thoughts? Yeah. If uh, you guys do another podcast where, you know, you guys are doing a mental health thing, even though I'm not a co-host, I'm going to be tuning in because it's going to be educational uh, entertaining and, uh, just good to listen to, but no, this was awesome. I'm, like I said, I'm so glad that, you know, I was able to reach out talk to Zakai and, and kind of get us all, you know, uh, um, charge. Um, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> no, you know, I was able to get us all, um, connected cause this was awesome. And I mean, it's, you know, I feel like with Zakai, I mean, I got a brother for life and, 
you know, we're, it's kind of funny. We talk, this is, you know, outside of Instagram, this is the first time we've ever actually had any sort of like personal communication. And yeah, we're texting and sending Instagram messages and stuff like almost every day. So I feel like, you know, I have this like longtime, you know, friend I've worked with, you know, for my whole career. So this has been awesome. And Ken, thank you. Um, and uh, yeah, that's about it, man. It was, it was a good time. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Jakai, this is a great experience for me too. And what I love about you is you're, you're very engaging. You're, you could be, you mm-hmm. could recruit anywhere and get coppers to come in or people to come and join. Um, and what, another thing I love about you is you're an old soul, man. Cause I'm, I'm old and there's things that, you know, when people use phrases and things like that, when I was born in the fifties and then people use phrases from the forties and I'm like, and then Jakai still uses those same phrases, man. I'm just an average Joe, man. I'm, you're speaking to, to where I live, man, because, because you're just an old soul and you're really good people. And I'm, I'm really glad that, uh, that we made the connection through Jesse. Um, yeah, and, and, uh, guys who are listening to this, if you're thinking about, um, about you maybe you never thought about georgia you know here's your this is this is a a compelling reason to go check out where there's other places where they do police work and they actually love their police officers how refreshing is that and so again thank you for being here we will continue the conversation um and have you on again uh for that very important topic of mental health and everything we want to hear your story so uh, uh thanks everybody we will come back in uh, we'll be back in a couple of weeks thanks for listening to the police applicant podcast We are the premier police background prep site in the U.S. and Canada. For more information on scheduling your police background consultation, go to policebackground.net. Also, please leave us a review on iTunes.